battle of Badr. And just as a quick revision, inshallah ta'ala, want to look at a number of issues, or go over a number of issues we went over last week, inshallah. The first of those issues is the Ghazwa, the battle of Badr, in which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he participated, yani Ghazwa al-Badr al-Ula, the first battle of Badr. Now, what was the reason, what was the cause for this battle? Why did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam decide upon the battle of Badr, the first battle? What was the reason? The reason was, no, they declared war. Barakallahu feek. They wanted to raid the caravans of the mushrikeen to take the booty, and the booty was fully loaded. So the initial intention behind the war was to raid the trade caravans of the mushrikeen, the people of Mecca. And this trade caravan, they wanted to raid it on the way to where? To Sham, to Syria. And what happened? They missed it. They went to Medina and waited, and on the way back from Asham, they wanted to raid it again by meeting it where? In Badr. And why did they decide upon meeting it in Badr? Why Badr? Because every single trade route and every single traveler, they have to pass through where? Badr. It was like a pit stop or resting place that the Arabs, they'll stop to rest. So they had to pass through Al-Badr. And Badr, as we said, was an easy place to lay a siege upon the people because there's only three exits. North, west, and south. And it was easy for the Prophet ﷺ to block all of these exits. And also, we know from the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we're not highway robbers. We don't steal, nor do we raid caravans. But the Prophet ﷺ, why did he raid the caravans of the people of Mecca? Barakallah To return the wealth of the Muslims that was forced to be taken from them in the first place. To return back their wealth. Also, we said they just went to raid the caravan. So therefore, it was not for the purpose of war. It was not a harm. Which is why the amount of Muslims that participated in raiding the caravans were how many? Only 314. 314. Because there was not a war and they had two horses with them. However, on the way back from Asham again, the caravan, he escaped them. Why? Because Abu Sufyan, due to his reconnaissance, he knew the Muslims were coming to raid his van. And not only did he take a different route, what else did Abu Sufyan do? He sent a message to the Quraysh. And the Quraysh now went out or came out for what? For war. And how many were the Quraysh in number? 1,300 against 314. Which is why Abu Jahal, when he knew there was so much in number, even though it was advised that the caravan is safe now, let's go back, he refused. He refused to go back because to him it's going to be a walkover. And Abu Jahal said, we're never going to go back. Until we spend three nights in Badr. And alcohol is drank. Because it's going to be a party. 314 against 1,000 people come out for war. And we're going to slaughter camels and bring in dancing girls. So now the Prophet ﷺ, we did not come out for war. The scenario had changed. So the Prophet ﷺ started to seek the opinion of the Sahaba. Should we go back or should we stay? And the Prophet the Sahaba said, we'll do whatever you want. Either we stay or we go back. But he kept repeating, Ashiru alayya, Ashiru alayya, give me your opinion. Why did the Prophet keep, keep repeating this? Give me your opinion. Why? Barakalafi, to get the reaffirmation from the people of Medina. Because the people of Medina, their covenant was with the Prophet ﷺ was they would defend him so long as he was attacked where? Within Medina. But outside Medina, it's not part of the covenant. 
But what did the people of Medina do? They still supported the Prophet And Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh, he spoke on their behalf. So now it was affirmed, they're going to fight. So the Prophet one of the first things they did was to build a risha, a place where, like a command center, where the battle will be planned. And the Prophet uses it for salah, for dua, and servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and also planning the strategy. And one of the strategies they came upon was what? To block the wells of who? The mushrikeen. So therefore they're forced to come forward. And one way, one of the most important things in a battle is to choose where you want to fight your enemy. It's 50% of the victory. So they chose where the enemy wanted to be. So the Prophet ﷺ employed this strategy. So reach to the night of Al-Badr. That on the night of Badr, what happened? It rained. And this rain was sent down upon the believers as a what? Sakinatan. As tranquility for the believers in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we said the Sahaba, they slept the best sleep of their life. That even though in a few hours they're about to take place in a battle, but yet they slept a beautiful sleep, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said. That when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused sleep and slumberness to overtake you with peace and serenity, with the rain. And this rain for the mushrikeen was a what? A calamity for them. The opposite exactly. So this was the light of Al-Badr. And then the morning of Badr. And when was the morning of Badr that it took place? The 17th of Ramadan. Two years after the Hijrah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Sabahul Badr. The battle is about to take place. Fi Sabah, Yawm al-Badr, Yawm al-Jum'ah, on the day of Jum'ah. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the Sahaba, they prepared to meet the Mushrikeen. On a day that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, He calls that day, because when a day has a speciality, or some kind of uh, special attribute or excellence, it has a name. And this day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave it a name. And what's the name of this day? 17th of Ramadan, two years after Hijrah, Yawm Jumu'ah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls it Yawm Al-Furqan. This is the day of the criterion. That's the name for the day of Badr. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Yawm Al-Furqan, the day of Furqan. Yawm Al-Taqa Al-Jama'an. Allah Ta'ala called the day of criterion. Why? Criteria on that day between what? Tawheed and shirk. Between haqq wal batil. Between truth and falsehood. Between iman and kufr. Between families. There was no nasab. There was no lineage anymore. Your alliances to Allah Ta'ala, the Prophet and the believers. Because in this battle, some of the Sahaba killed their own fathers, their own brothers, their own cousins. So that day Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Yawm al-Furqan. This is the day of Furqan. Yawm al-Taqa al-Jama'an. The day the two armies, they met. So the two armies, they met on this day, Yawm al-Furqan. And when the two armies, they met, the tradition in those days, or the custom in those days, that there'd be a duel, meaning a one-on-one -on -one fight with a sword. They will start with al-Mubaraza, a duel. So in this duel, the best and the most elite and the aristocrat of that tribe will step up for this deal. So the people that stepped up from the people of Mecca was Shaybah ibn Rabi'ah. Secondly, Utbah. Thirdly, Walid ibn Utbah. And when these three came out, these are from the aristocrats, the elite of Quraysh. When they came out, they said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, because they're not just anybody, Send out to us 
to battle with us in this dual one-on-one fight from our people who are of the same ranks, social status as us. Nobody else. Min akifa'ina. Send them out to us, people of the same social status. Because it would be a aib, shame, for them to fight a slave, for them to fight a servant. They wanted people of the same social status. So who came out? Three men from the Ansar. And they didn't know them. So says, men entum, who are you? So the people on the Sar brought down their lineage for them. Ana Fulan, Ibn Fulan, Ibn Fulan, Ibn Fulan. I'm such and such a person, the such a son of such and such a person. When the Quraysh, these three had the lineage of these people from Asar, they said, Antum Qawmun Kiram. Your lineage is extremely honorable. Extremely honorable. Haja. But we're not in need of you. Akhriju. Lana. Akifa'ana min umumatina. We don't want you. We want you to bring out people of the same social status as us from our, the children of our uncles, our cousins. We don't want you. We want the people of Makkah, the best of the people of Makkah. At this point, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he called out three other sahaba, who of course was from the best of lineage. First of them was Ubaid ibn al-Harith. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, after calling Ubaid ibn al-Harith, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi called upon the line of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who's the line of Allah, ya Salman? Who's Asadullah? Barakallah fiqh. Hamza. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Qum ya Hamza. Hamza stood up. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Qum ya Ali. Stand up, O Ali. So now the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam called upon these three. And this shows the leadership of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That a true leader in battle doesn't just stay behind the scene, he gets involved. Not only does he get involved physically, he puts his family upon the front line. Upon the front line. Whereas most military leaders or leaders, they'll keep their family and say, family and friends and kin safe. And they send the children of their subjects into war. If you look at most wars nowadays, how many of these people that initiate, plan, engage these wars, their children are actually in the war? If it's no one, if it's truly a sincere cause. And likewise, from the people of Bid'ah, or the extremists from the Muslim Ummah that encourage people to do these acts, these impermissible acts that they call jihad, how many of them, if it's such a glory, how many of you have gone out there? How, why don't you go? Why don't you go yourself or send your children? So the Prophet ﷺ put his family on the front line. Why? Who's Ubayd ibn Harith to the Prophet ﷺ? His cousin. Who's Hamza to the Prophet ﷺ? His uncle. His uncle and his what else? His brother. Through what? Through Rada'a. Through breastfeeding. And who is Ali radiallahu an? The cousin of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So these three, they stepped off of the deal. So when they stepped up, Hamza, he said to the Quraysh, Anahnu akifa'ukum? Are we suitable enough for you? They said, indeed, you're suitable enough. So they stepped off of the deal. When they stepped up, Hamza radiallahu an, Asad. Asadullah azza wa jal. Immediately, he killed Shayba. Ibn Rabi'ah, Alatul, straight away took his head off. Second to step up was who? Ali, radiallahu ta'ala an. Ali, he killed Walid ibn Utbah. And then the duel remained between who? Ubaid ibn Harith and Utbah. And they struck each other and inflicted injuries upon each other. So at that point, Ali and Hamza quickly, they tagged him and they killed Utbah. But as for Ubaid, he was severely injured. And a few days later, Ubaid, radiallahu ta'ala, and who? He passed away. 
after the battle. After this duel now, the battle begins. The duel is like a warm-up. So the Prophet sallallahu wasallam, when the battle was about to begin, it did the same thing it always does. And what did the Prophet sallallahu always do? What was the main point of that command center? For dua. So the main thing that the Prophet would do on every single step of the way, and this shows us the importance of what a dua. So the Prophet sallallahu wasallam, he turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he said to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allahumma hadhi Quraysh qad aqbalat bi khuyalaiha wa fakhriha. That this is indeed the Quraysh. They have come with their pride and arrogance. That they are in opposition to anything you sent down, O Allah. And they deny your Prophet. Allahumma fanasruka ladhi wa'attani. Allahumma ahnihimul ghadata. So the Prophet sallallahu said, Oh Allah, the victory which you've promised me. And the Prophet sallallahu kept repeating this. Nasruka ladhi wa'attani. The victory which you've promised me. The victory which you promised me. Allahumma ahnihimul ghadata. Oh Allah, destroy them completely. So the Prophet وسلم, after making dua, he went to the rows and started to arrange them in rows. And while the Prophet وسلم, was arranging them in rows, it was Abu Bakr After they were arranged in rows, the Prophet وسلم, went back away from the, the troops again, to the same camp or the same tent they had built for him. And what did the Prophet وسلم, go there and do again? Dua. The Prophet وسلم, was Abu Bakr. And the Prophet sallallahu when there's a dua for hajah, he will make it in the most exaggerated form. The Prophet sallallahu in this tent now, he looked out and he saw the sahaba radiallahu anhum. The Prophet sallallahu raised his hand so high. You know, normally you make dua like this, is like this. The hands of the Prophet sallallahu were like this. He was asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not like this, not like this, not like this. The hands of the Prophet were like this. Until the ridah, the upper garment of the Prophet sallallahu will fall down. And Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu he will feel sorry for the Prophet and put it on the shoulder of the Prophet sallallahu So the Prophet raised his hand and said to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allahumma intahlak hadhihi al-isab al-yawm lan tu'bad abada. Subhanallah. This shows the excellence of the Sahaba. The Prophet sallallahu said, Oh Allah, this small group of men today, if they are destroyed today and they lose in this battle, you'll not be worshipped after today again. Subhanallah. This shows the excellence of the Sahaba. And the Prophet sallallahu went on to say, Allahumma in shitta lan tu'bad abada. But Allah is your will. If you want to, you could choose not to be worshipped after today ever again. And the Prophet sallallahu continued to say this and continued to make the dua. So the rida will fall down and Abu Bakr will put it back up. And Abu Bakr felt sorry for the Prophet. He said, Ya Rasulullah, Hasbuk, O Messenger of Allah, enough. You've called upon your Lord enough. So then the Prophet he sent the Sahaba into battle. But while he was making dua, Abu Jahl was also making dua. You know the dua of Abu Jahl? Abu Jahl, he turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the mushikeen, when things are difficult and hard, would they turn? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this shows when Allah ta'ala wants to humiliate and destroy a person that is upon falsehood, he doesn't even know he's upon falsehood. Abu Jahal, his dua was, Allahumma aqta'ana, aqta'ana ar-rahim. Oh Allah, this person, meaning the Prophet Sallam, is cut off what? Our ties of kinship. Aqta'ana ar-rahim. Rahim. 
And he went on to say, And he's come to us, meaning for religion we don't know. And this is the dua that was the end of Abu Jahl himself. You know what he said? He said, Allah, he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Ya Allah, Ayyuna kana ahabbu ilayka wa arda indak fansurhu al-yawm. Subhanallah. Abu Jahl said, which one, whichever one of us two armies is more beloved to you and more pleasing to you, Allah give him victory today. He's making dua against himself. Which of the two is ever more beloved to you or more pleasing to you, give him victory today. So Abu Jahl was making dua. The battle began. As the battle began with the swords and the spears, blood began to flow. Some heads were taken off. The Prophet appeared initially as though he was in a trance. Initially. And then, afaq, And it's as though the Prophet suddenly came around. And when the Prophet suddenly came around, who was with him again? Abu Bakr al-Siddiq. And this shows the excellence Abu Bakr radiallahu Because for you to be with the Prophet you have to be of the bravest. He was always with the Prophet sallallahu So the Prophet sallallahu said, Ya Abu Bakr, Abshir Ya Abu Bakr. Glide tidings Abu Bakr. It's like he came around. He said, Abshir Ya Abu Bakr, Qad attack al-Nasr. The victory has come. So it's like he came around. And at this point, whatever the Prophet sallallahu he saw, who else saw it? The shaitan. Abu Bakr didn't see it, but the shaitan saw it. Because the shaitan was also there in the battle of Badr, in the form of Suraqah ibn Malik. He took on the form of Suraqah ibn Malik, and he was fighting with that mushrikeen of Makkah. So Suraqah, according to the mushrikeen, he saw something. Because he didn't know it was shaitan, he came in the form of a man. So when Suraqah or shaitan, he saw what he saw, he started to flee. And when he flee, the people of Makkah looked at, Ya Suraqah, irja ila al-qital, come back to fighting. The shaitan, he said, ara ma la ta, ma la tarawna. I see that which you do not see. Inni Allah. I fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wallahu shadeedu al-iqab. And he fleed. Do you know what the shaitan saw? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to Abu Bakr, Abshir ya Abu Bakr, hadha Jibreel. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was looking at the heavens. And he said, hadha Jibreel. This is the Jibreel. And what is Jibreel doing? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, akhidhu. He said to the Prophet, he said to Abu Bakr, this is Jibreel, he's descending from the heavens. You know what? He said his hands is upon the straddle of his horse. And the horse which is descending upon the foot or the shin of the horse is full of dust from the heavens. And not only did Jibreel descend in the battle of Badr, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala amaddahu bi alfin, he descended with a thousand angels. And not only a thousand angels, thumma thalatha ahlaf. And that thousand became what? Three thousand. And that three thousand became what? Five thousand. To give victory to the believers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to Abu Bakr radiallahu the mushrikeen, they didn't know what was happening, the Muslims, they just saw the mushrikeen running left, right and center. And heads were flying off. They said, we see a head fly off, we don't see who took the head off. The head would just fly off, an arm will fly off, a leg will fly off. But it was the angels of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doing this. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa now himself went into the midst of the battle. And whenever he goes into the midst of the battle, he's the one that leads the army. He'll be at the front line. And that's why the bravest sahaba was Abu Bakr. Whoever's next to the Prophet is the bravest. So he went into the middle, he went to the front line of the battle, started to lead the battle. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa in the battle, he took a grip of dust or sand. 
And the Prophet sallallahu May the faces become disfigured and ugly. And he threw it in the direction of the mushrikeen. And every single one of them, something went in their eye. This is from the mu'jizah, the miracles of the Prophet sallallahu which Allah ta'ala mentioned. You did not throw when you threw, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that threw. Now during this battle, Abdurrahman bin Awf radiallahu ta'ala was in the saf of the battles. And next to him were two, I would say not young men, two kids. He said, Shaban Yafi'an. Yafi'an is a person that's not reached the age, is almost reached the age of maturity. And how does somebody reach the age of maturity? When's the age of maturity, Abdullah? 15, are you sure? Well, let me rephrase the question. What are the signs of maturity? Puberty. What are the signs of puberty? Facial hair. Yeah, and as long as not shy from the truth. Hairs in certain parts of your body, private parts, armpits, jayid, or somebody has a wet dream. These are signs of puberty. So a person is who is yeah, is almost reached that age, not necessarily the age of 15. Because once you reach age of 15, he's a what? He's a teenager. He's not reached sinnul murahaqa. He's not reached teenagers. So these two kids, they're not reached teenage years. But they're almost what? Maturing. Some people mature before teenage, as you know. Just like some women become women before even reaching 10. So these two, they're almost becoming matured, but they're not even teenagers. So Abdurrahman bin Awf looked at these two kids and they were talking. They were talking. Then one of them whispered in the ears of Abdurrahman bin Awf because he didn't want his brother to hear what he had to say to who? To Abdurrahman bin Awf. So one of them, he whispered in the ears of Abdurrahman bin Awf and he said, Ya am, oh uncle. Did you know Abdurrahman bin Awf? He doesn't know him. Abdurrahman bin Awf is from where? Mecca. And this young man is from where? The people are Ansar, from Medina. But this shows the mannerism and the etiquette we need to instill in our children. That the Sahaba, radiallahu anhu. Anyone older than them was an uncle. And anyone younger than them, they call him Ibn Ammi, my nephew or my niece. We need to instill this. Because sometimes, even as old as I am, you have some young people, they just call me even maybe 10 years younger, Ismail, Ismail. They call Abu Abdullah, Suleiman, Suleiman. It's wrong. And we need to instill this in our children. So he said to Abdurrahman bin Awf, Ya Am. And it doesn't matter, pardon me, whether he's a driver, whether he's a shopkeeper, because when he becomes a shopkeeper, Sadiq. When he's a shopkeeper, Muhammad. When he's a shopkeeper, Ta'an. La, it doesn't matter. So long as he's older, you must give that. And you should instill that in your children to give respect to everybody. It doesn't matter whether it's a driver, whether it's a cleaner, whether he cleans the toilet, whether he's a road sweeper, it's Ammi. Tayyib. So Abdurrahman ibn Awf, they said to Ya Ammi, Aina Abu Jahad. One of them said, Where is Abu Jahad? Because I know he insults the Prophet. So Abdurrahman bin Awf looked at this kid and he said to him, Huh? No, where is he? Where is Abu Jahad? Aina Abu Jahad. So now, this, when he said this to Abdurrahman bin Awf, Abdurrahman bin Awf said to him, That, Ya ibn Akhi, the son of my brother, my nephew. What are you going to do to Abu Jahal? What are you going to do to him? So he said to Abdurrahman bin Awf, If I see him, my shadow is not going to leave his shadow. We're going to be stuck together until one of us dies. Then Abdurrahman bin Awf, subhanAllah, was shocked. 
And then the other brother now whispered in the head of Abdurrahman bin Auf. He didn't want his other brother to hear too. And he said exactly the same thing to Abdurrahman bin Auf. So now they're both telling him secretly without the other one knowing what the other one is saying. So in the battle, Abdurrahman bin Auf, he saw Abu Jahl. He said, This is the one you've been looking for. Abdurrahman bin Auf, he said, They descended upon Abu Jahl. What's a sakar? Eagle. They descend upon him, just started to rip him apart. One of them took his shin off completely. Whilst one of them, he killed Abu Jahl. Abu Jahl, the, the injury they gave him was a fatal injury. Yeah, he didn't die, but it was fatal, he was going to die. Abu Jahl fell on the floor, rolling with his own blood in the dust. They left Abu Jahl and they went to the Prophet these two young men. One, his name was Mu'ad, and the other one was Mu'awwidh. Mu'ad and Mu'awwidh, Ibn Afra, from the tribe of the Ansar or from the people of the Ansar. And they went to the Prophet and each one was saying, I'm the one that killed him, I'm the one that killed him. And they're disputing. So the Prophet said, bring me your swords. And he brought the swords to the Prophet and he wiped the blood of each one. He said, both of you killed him. Both of you, you killed him. Also, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiallahu ta'ala an, he saw Abu Jahl with his fatal injuries. He saw him from far. So Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiallahu an, he went and approached Abu Jahl. And he said, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Ya Allah, or enemy of Allah, look what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has done to you. Abu Jahl, in his arrogance, he said, what's happened? The death of one man does not mean we've lost the battle. He didn't realize the battle had been lost. Because at that point, the mushrikeen, they were getting destroyed. They've been captured as prisoners. They've been killed. They had lost the battle completely. The Sahaba now were just picking them out. So now Abu Jahl hadn't realized. So Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiallahu ta'ala an, and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was a very skinny person and he had very small shins. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he stood upon Abu Jahl, upon his chest. So Abu Jahl, he looked at him. He said to Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, subhanAllah, look at Kibar. He said, Qadir taqayta martaqan sa'dan ya ruwai'ya al-ghanam. He said, you. You've risen to a position which is very hard, meaning you've gone beyond your limits. You've gone beyond your boundaries. You shepherd or you goat herder. How dare you? Even in death. So Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiallahu ta'ala, an, he finished off Abu Jahl. And he went to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. When he went to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the Prophet sallallahu he said, Allahu Akbar when he knew Abu Jahl was dead. Now this shows us that the Sunnah is at times of happiness and joy to say what? Allahu Akbar. The Prophet said Allahu Akbar. Alhamdulillah ladhi sadaqa wa'dah wa nasara abdah wa hazam al-ahzaba wahdah. That all praise be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who made his promise true. And he aided his servant and he destroyed the ahzab, the confederates alone. This is the Fir'aun of this Ummah. When do we ever hear this? Uh, this Nasara Abda. Oh, sorry. Sadaqa Wa'da. Wa Nasara Abda. Wa Hazam Al Ahzabu Wahda. When do we hear this? Eid. Tayyib. We hear this on Eid. You know, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. And he goes, Sadaqa Wa'da. Wa Nasara Abda. Wa Hazam Al Ahzabu Wahda. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. This is a bid'ah. This is not related from any of the Sahaba anhum, to say this. Rather, it's just the takbirat 
And another time you could make, which is mushru' to make this is when? In the beginning of Sa'i, Jayid, this particular dua, or this particular praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is a bid'ah. So the Prophet said this, and the battle was over, battle of Badr. And the Muslims now were looking for the ones that are killed and injured from amongst them. For amongst the Muslims that are killed in Badr were 14. 14 of the Muslims were killed in Badr. 70 from the elite and the aristocrats of the Quraysh, such as Umayyah ibn Khalaf. Who's Umayyah ibn Khalaf? The master, 14. Umayyah ibn Khalaf was the master of Bilal, radiallahu anhu. He's the one that used to torture Bilal. Bilal killed him in Badr. So 70 of them died. 70 were imprisoned. They were taken back to Medina as prisoners. Jayid, only 14 were killed from the Muslims. As for the remaining corpse, the corpse of the mushrikeen, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he threw their corpse into the wells of Al-Badr. And when he threw their corpse there, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam started to speak to the corpse. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Al wajadtum ma wa'adani rabbukum haqqa. Or al wajadtum ma wa'adakum rabbukum haqqa. Have you found that which your Lord promised you to be the truth? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, I have found what my Lord has promised me to be the truth. At this point, Umar radiallahu ta'ala an, he said to the Prophet, why are you speaking to people that are dead? They cannot hear you. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, they could hear me as well as you can hear me. However, they could not respond. Some of the ulama, they said this was only a moment for a miracle of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that they could hear the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam speaking to them. Now, Ibn Rajab, rahimahullah ta'ala, in his book, Ahwal al-Qubur, the conditions of the grave or the situations in the grave, he brought about a narration that Isnad or the chain is da'if. And some of the ulama, they accept the chain of narration. Ala kulli hal, the chain is supposed to be da'if. But it's still in his book, Ahwal al-Qubur. And that which narrated concerning this issue of punishment of the grave, he said once, Abdullah ibn Umar, he passed by Badr. He passed by Al-Badr. After the Battle of Badr. And when he passed by the Battle of Badr, uh, the, by Badr, he went past a grave. Abdullah ibn Umar said, when I went past a grave, a man came out of the grave on fire. And he said to Abdullah ibn Umar, Ya Abdullah, asqini, O servant of Allah, O Abdullah, give me some water. Abdullah ibn Umar, radiallahu an, he said, I don't know if he knew me personally, because he called him Abdullah, or he doesn't know me. Why? Because the way of the Muslims, if you don't know somebody, Ya Abdullah, Ya Akhi, not Ya Muhammad, Ya Sadiq, Although it's become a custom here, Ya Muhammad. And this Ya Muhammad, like we said many a times, is used in a derogatory way by some of the Muslims. They will not call any other person of a status Muhammad. But the cleaner, they call him Muhammad. The guy McDonald's Muhammad. Even the kids when I used to teach in school, they're looking for a cleaner, they say, Fain Muhammad. Where's Muhammad? So they'll say, Ya Abdullah. So he said, I don't know if you knew me personally, you didn't know me. He said, Ya Abdullah, it's clean, give me some water. He said, as soon as he said that, another man came out of the grave with a whip made of fire. With a whip made of fire. And he dragged him back inside the grave. Abdullah bin Umar, he narrated this to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to him, ذَاكَ عَدُوُ اللَّهِ أَبُوْ جَهَلِ يُفْعَلُ بِهِ ذَلِكَ إِلَى يَوْمِ السَّاعَةِ إِلَى قِيَامِ السَّاعَةِ إِلَى يَوْمِ قِيَامَةِ That is Abu Jahal. It will repeatedly be done like that until the day of judgment. Some of the ulama, they said to this, is not. 
So this is the end of the battle of Badr. And next week, ta'ala, we're going to call the lessons we could learn from this battle. The Fadl, the excellence of people of Badr, and then we'll go back to the Tafsir, which will be, inshallah ta'ala, uh, Ayat al-Siyam, the verses of fasting, inshallah ta'ala. Subhanakallah, alhamdulillah, kashadu an la ilaha.